0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast brought to you by DraftKings. As always, Steve Buchanan, my co host Julian Edlow on this one. Special guest, I know we've been having a three box lately. Special guest coming on later. Don't you worry your pretty little heads. It's coming later in James Alberino, also known as Spread Investor on Twitter. He's going to be talking some hoops with Julian later in the show. I don't give a crap, so I'm not going to be on that. Second. I'm going to take a well-deserved nap because any time with Julian over five minutes is extremely stressful. So I need to kind of regroup, get back to, you know, grip here. But we got plenty to talk about here. You know, there's a big game coming up next week called the Super Bowl. Two teams that you probably all wanted to see. The NFL wanted to see. The Chiefs going against the Buccaneers. We'll get into that in just a moment. Next week's going to be a good show, though, because it is going to be probably my favorite show, talking all about the props that are going to be offered on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Like, if you think there's a lot of props offered normally, (laughs) wait till you see next week and see all the stuff they got out for the Super Bowl. We're going to go into all that. Probably not going to talk about the coin flip because, you know, I don't know if there's any real Tails. You know, research. Okay. So there, there, there's your first player for the Super Bowl. Tales from Julian. Uh, maybe not talk about, you know, the color of the Gatorade, but there's going to be a lot to talk Red. about. So I was going to go yellow, but okay. Anyways, we just said we're not going to talk about it. And we just gave two. We're points. already two and oh. up. <laughs> I want to get to some of the breaking news, kind of breaking news that came earlier this morning, as we record this Thursday morning, Deshaun Watson officially reportedly asked for a trade from the Texans. So obviously those trade winds are going to start to blow and you're going to start hearing about that more and more. Just a plethora of quarterbacks are going to be available this off season, whether it's through free agency or through trades. Obviously Matthew Stafford is one of those names we've heard recently wants out of Detroit and they're looking to appease him and trade him as well, but Julian, obviously Deshaun Watson is going to be the big prize of this off season. you look at the contract that he has monster contract with the Texans that obviously didn't end up happening. They're going to be divorcing very soon. He's going to be on the books for next season 15.9 million. pretty affordable, right? <laughs> That's where it ends. then that cap space just jumps dramatically like four times that of what he's going to be making this year 40, 42, 37. 32 all the way up to 2025 when he will again become a free agent looking at some of the teams that has the most cap space going into next season the jacksonville jaguars are at the top 69 million obviously they won't be in play for that unless something crazy and dramatic happens there but then the colts the Jets, which is kind of looking like the, the destination he's going to be going to, but we'll hold off on that. The Patriots are up there as well. And then the Cincinnati Bengals at number five at $35 million. Obviously, Joe Burrow expected to make a full recovery and be ready for next season. So they're not going to be in play in that. The Jets and the Dolphins obviously have the most draft capital that they can throw at the Texans to package a deal and try to bring in Watson. Obviously, the Jets have those picks. The Dolphins can include Tua in that deal with anything like that. Lot to digest here. What do you think about is, what do you think is the best destination for Watson? Or where do you think you'll end up landing? Cause I think those could be two different answers. I think the best spot is Miami. I think he's going to
2: wind up in Miami. Okay. And the reason is Watson has a, a, a no trade clause. So he can decide right. where he wants to go. Correct. That's part of this. You know, it, it's not like he's going to get dumped to I uh, I can't even think of a team like the lions He's oh, nice. going to the lions. Um, he can almost decide where he goes. And I think Miami is the best spot. And I think Miami is the spot that's going to wind up getting him. Yeah. Uh, Miami can, here's where the deal starts with Miami. Miami owns Houston's draft pick this year already from the Laramie trade. Do. That's the third, isn't it the third overall pick? It's a I very mean, high it's, pick. It's it's, I, I believe it's the third overall pick. And then they can say, all right, you're obviously losing your franchise quarterback, Let's at least to a, not the most impressive rookie year, but we've seen, you know, there's still, Lashes. nobody's giving up on Tua. Somebody no. you need to find out if he's, if he's got it or not. So you start the package with a top five pick and a, a top five pick from last year that fills your quarterback void that you can throw to Brandon cooks, um, right. throw to throw to, um, Will Fuller and, yep. and give him some weapons and, and, to see if he's actually got anything that's a great start and then if you're Watson you want Miami Brian Flores seems to be working as a coach they've put the defense together they've got some decent receivers it's Miami uh what is not to like
0: I mean I I, I totally think you're right but like for me it's like this is just a, been a constant thing with the Dolphins like you know Josh Rosen Tua like just I mean, it's obviously, been since just, Mar- it's been since Marino, but this yeah. might be finally the guy. But it's like, like for me, it's like it's kind of wild that you know they have spent all this draft capital on these quarterbacks and they've given up so quickly. Like Josh Rosen is completely fizzled out. Like I think he's like the third string quarterback on the Cardinals. I think it is right now. I can't even remember no, where Josh Rosen. He was on the Cardinals and got traded to the Dolphins from because they were going to take Kyler Murray
2: number one overall.
0: See, I mean, I don't, I can't even. Remember the road that he's taken because he's taken so many, you know, exits. He's gone in so many different places, but they've given up so quickly. And then this, this is obviously, different. this is different. You know, like you are getting your franchise guy, a proven franchise guy. This will be the face of the franchise, Deshaun Watson. I mean, for, I mean, for crying out loud, give this guy an offensive line that can protect him. I mean, that was been is one of the biggest things in in the uh, with the Texans. He's just constantly under pressure. He's taking like fifty sacks a season. You know, get him a good offensive line, get him some weapons. He had good weapons in Houston. Don't get me wrong. You know, Will Fuller is nothing to sneeze at. Brandon Cooks when he was there. But he's going to flourish where he goes. And if he's surrounded by weapons and a team that wants to invest around him, that's not going to happen in Houston anymore. So I know that the ideal spot is the Jets. And that's what everyone's thinking about here. But it's like they need to do some work other than that. You know, they need some weapons to give him. I mean, you don't want to put Watson on the Jets and then he has nobody to throw to. Who does he have to throw to right now? Not really anybody.
2: This is why I don't don't get the Jets, like being the team that most people, you know, favor him to go to. Uh, Why does the the, the Jets have the draft capital though? Like the Dolphins, like you said. The Jets have the draft capital, but number one, Watson has to agree to go somewhere that, you know, the Dolphins have taken such better
0: form than the Jets over the last couple
2: of years. But Watson, this is also
0: what Watson said himself. He does like the Jets and what they're doing, and he's a big fan of the head coach, the new head coach. Okay, so
2: he he likes the new coach, and he likes the allure of New York, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, does Sam Darnold go back to Houston in this deal? I would feel like that would have to be part of it. The interesting I, part I, I, of it I, an interesting part of this is that Normally this is just a team has to slap together whatever they can in this spot. If, if, if Watson goes to one of the two places, we think he's going to go Houston's also getting its future quarterback back in the deal. So like yeah, maybe Houston prefers, I think most people prefer Darnold to Tua right now, even though it's still so early on Tua. Um, But again, that's in the end, that's Watson's Watson's choice. If, if, if it's, ah, we kind of want Darnold, but we could get Tua and the number three pick, uh, and, and Watson says Miami, then you just kind of have to say, okay.
0: So obviously that's going to be a story that we're going to follow here as the weeks progress. You know, I don't think this is going to happen quickly, but obviously Miami and the jets are the two teams to watch in this one. Let's shift over to the super bowl. Obviously that's going to be the big, you know, the big thing coming up for the next two weeks here. Look at the lines here. And I'm, I'm kind of switching back and forth a little bit. This is why it's great that it's, you know, a week and a half out. Still plenty of time to digest this. But I'm surprised that the Buccaneers are three-point underdogs. They were three-and-a-half-point underdogs against the, the Packers. And quite frankly, I didn't think that that game was going to be really that close. Like, I thought that the Packers, excuse me, I thought the Buccaneers were the superior team. They did end up being the superior team. And Brady played well. And we kind of, I think people were putting too much stock into how much of a mediocre game he had against the Saints. Cause, you know, I keep going back to this. The Saints had one of the pass, best pass rushes in the league, and they were obviously disrupting Brady. Brady was barely even under pressure against the Packers in that game. They only had him under pressure on five of his 37 dropbacks in that game. Quick math says that's 13% of his dropbacks. Now, granted, he didn't complete any of the four pass attempts that he had in that scenario. But with a clean pocket, which is where Brady excels, 8.8 yards per pass attempt, a 77 adjusted completion percentage, three of his touchdowns. Did throw two interceptions, but I would say probably of the two with a clean pocket, one of them was his mistake. The other two uh, that he had total in that game was 100% Mike Evans' fault. I don't know what his deal is. He's like the tallest guy on the team, and he still can't catch the ball. Whatever. That's neither here nor there. Not a good look for his uh, football gloves, by the way, which I, I think we're under armor, but I don't want to throw that out there. He's not going to get much resistance from the Chiefs either. So now we got Brady working with the clean pocket once again. Now the secondary for the Chiefs is much, much better. Let's make that perfectly clear. The Packers and the Chiefs secondaries are not even on the same planet. But you're expecting Antonio Brown to be back, just another weapon in the mix. We saw what Scotty Miller did on that. I think it was like a 45-yard touchdown completion. That's one of his favorite.
2: That's the difference in that. Well, we'll talk more about that whole game. But how the Packers ended each half cost them that game. How do you give up that touchdown to Scotty Miller to end that half? Just stay in front of him. Just stay in front of him, and it's done. Make a tackle. And then you have Aaron Rodgers, who should have ran it in on third down late in the game. You have Aaron Rodgers, fourth and eight. You you need a touchdown and the two-point conversion. But first things first, you need a touchdown. And you kick that field goal to give the ball back to Tom Brady, still needing a touchdown to win the game. Even after the field goal, you still need to score a touchdown. You need to score a touchdown. Either way, what are you doing? You 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 selected to give the ball to Tom Brady essentially for free. I know you got three points. Now a touchdown wins it instead of ties it you gave the ball to Tom Brady for free because you need a touchdown either way. Right. The two end of half decisions were ludicrous. And I think Andy Reed is a better decision maker. Yeah. And I think Patrick Mahomes is a just as good or better of a quarterback than Aaron Rodgers and has more weapons. Right. Uh, this game is, I, this game is so hard to decide on. It uh, is hard. And we saw it, you know, Kansas city whoop, whoop to them pretty good. The first time around, and guess what? Tampa covered almost an identical number, three and a half, because Tampa had kind of a backdoor fourth quarter and, and put it put it together. Um, Tampa's playing the Super Bowl at home. At home, at home. At home. Let's make that clear. <laughs> at home, their, at home. <laughs> in their home stadium for the first time ever, obviously. So I'm, so, I'm glad you brought up
0: the – so real go quick, ahead. I'm glad you
2: go ahead. I'm I'm i just have I can give facts and I can give what I've seen the last few weeks and stats from the regular season and from the previous matchup. I really don't know where I'm going in in this game.
0: So I, I I like the Chiefs to win, okay? But obviously I'm not. You know, the money line play is not all that enticing as of right now. But we keep going back to how much of a nightmare the Chiefs have been from a betting perspective, especially on the spread. That was only the second game that they covered last week against Buffalo other than the Saints since week eight when they covered that minus 20 against the Jets. That's only the second game that they've covered in that span. They have been a nightmare to bet on the spread against. So that would maybe make you think, okay, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the play here because I don't think this is a blowout on either side. This is an extremely close game. So taking that into consideration. Obviously I would like this better at three and a half for the Buccaneers It's currently at three. So that half point would obviously be that three at even money though. So. Right. One thought
2: is that it might, you know, the chiefs are a pretty public team, even though it's betting against Tom Brady, some money might come back there. We've seen it at three and a half. And then if you go to the, if you just go to the alternate, um, the alternate tab, you can play Tampa right there, plus three and a half, minus 121. Not a crazy price at all. So if you don't even want to wait, you just want
0: to take that, you can take that. So, you know, it, it makes me lean taking the Buccaneers, you know, hoping to get that three and a half, like you said, but three is nice at even money. But I just – every see, I feel like everybody's going to be on the Chiefs now just just because they just blew out the Bills. And they look fantastic. Like, that's probably the best we've seen the Chiefs in a long, long time. And it shouldn't be a surprise because it's here in the playoffs. But at least if you're if you're a trend guy, kind of like I am, you look at some of the paths. Like the Chiefs have just been a terrible team to bet on, from a point spread perspective. Whereas the Buccaneers have been the complete opposite.
2: Um, you're kind of right. I the one thing that I say is like let's look at where Kansas City's been essentially since it's double bye because it rested all its starters week yeah. seventeen. Then it gets the bye. Then it comes back. Then it's blowing out Cleveland in the first half. And gets it done with Chad Henney. If Mahomes is healthy and finishes that game, maybe, you know, that was a, a big 10-point spread that came crashing down to like 8, 7.5 by kickoff. Yeah. Maybe maybe um, Kansas City wins that game by double digits if Mahomes plays the whole thing. And then they come out and and go down 9 nothing to Buffalo and do what they yeah. did in last year's playoffs and just rally back, ripping off points after points after points and win. Maybe Kansas City we've only seen like a game and a half of real Kansas city in the playoffs. Maybe they are back. Yep.
0: And that's scary. Me? I, I, I absolutely. And this is why this is such a, like the grand scheme of things. This is the game I wanted. This is absolutely the game I wanted, but right. I knew if this was the game that I wanted, it's going to be like a last minute decision when it comes to betting. Probably 100%. the wrong percent. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's why maybe I'll just bet on the coin flip. 50, 50, 50. Yeah, exactly. You get better odds on the coin flip. Let's just. Right. Exactly. Flip, and then we don't even have to watch the game. It'll be great. <laughs> right. <laughs> One and done. I'm done in about 30 seconds. Not even. Um, but obviously, like I said, we have a week and a half for this to go here. Do you think that this line is going to move much at all? I, th- I think I, I don't think there's going to be heavy steam on either side here because I think feel like both teams are pretty evenly matched. No, this, um, is right around, this is right around where it
2: should be. It wouldn't surprise it me not. if it goes back to three and a half. But I don't know if it closes three and a half because it's – is Tom Brady really going to be a three-point home underdog in the Super Bowl? When you say it that way, it sounds insane.
0: Or a three crazy. and a half.
2: Sorry, three and a half point – Tom Brady, three and a three-and-a-half point underdog in the Super Bowl. That sounds ludicrous.
0: Uh, it's, it's really tough to figure out. So then that kind of leads me to the overrun
2: Let me have one quick thing more on yeah. or two quick things. Um, number one, I just went back and looked at all the Super Bowls. Uh, Tom Brady was obviously a massive 14-point underdog to the, the Rams in 2001. And then it closed as a pick'em in some spots in 2016 against uh, – was that 2015 or 16 against Seattle? But Seattle was favored in that game. Tom Brady's 2-0 outright as an underdog in the Super Bowl and obviously has never played at home in, in the Super Bowl. Uh, So that's there. And then this one is from uh, John Ewing on Twitter. Tom Brady has only taken 40% of the money Mm -hmm. or less 12 times since 2003. Right now, Tom Brady is taking less than 40% of the money. More than 60% of the betters are backing the Chiefs. Tom Brady has never failed to cover in any of those 12 games. Somehow (laughs) we got three pushes in a 12-game sample, which is insane. But he has That's nine insane. cover, he's nine oh and three. He has nine covers and three pushes wow. in 12 games with less than 40% of the money. So when people think Tom Brady's not gonna cover, he covers. Yep. And most of those games, obviously, all those games in New England, mostly as a favorite. And uh, generally he covered those ones as a favorite. So as a as a home dog, like whew. Right. A home
0: home dog, by the way, too. Let's, not, let's make sure we get that, that mean, okay. home home. Well, I mean, he's home at the Super Bowl. Home, home at the Super Bowl. Right. Let's let's talk about this over under here, okay? I don't whatever. Let's talk about this over under real quick before we get to your basketball segment. 56 and a half is a big number, man. That is a big number. I really like the under, and I hate that. I absolutely hate that I like the under in this one. The Chiefs have not been a good over team. They have not been a good over team at all. Like they are, they really started tanking in the second half of the season when it came to hitting the over and obviously defensively, that kind of had a lot to do with that too as well, because of how good their secondary is, but they're nine and nine hitting the over on the year. And while that doesn't sound overly terrible, you know, it's, this is a really high number. If this closes at 56 and a half, this would be the highest tied for the highest over under for the Chiefs this year, which was at 56 and a half when they faced the Las Vegas Raiders over, uh, earlier this year. It did go over in that one. That was a 35 to 31 win. So over with ease. These are two teams that you feel like would hit the over. But I just, I hate the over in this one. I just, I would hate taking over 56 and a half. That's a ton of points that need to be scored against the secondary that's been playing well with the Chiefs and a Buccaneers team that, you know, Obviously they have Tom Brady. He's going to want to do his thing, but <clears throat> tough. These are tough lines. The Super Bowl has been, is horrible for betting right now.
2: <laughs> that's a, that's, that's great. Uh, great promo right there. Um, <laughs> look, it's, there's a million things to bet on in this game. I don't think the total is going to be one for me. I do yeah. lean under these games generally tense up. Uh, these defenses are maybe a little better than we give them credit. Kansas City's defense yeah. was brilliant last week against the they Bills. Really were I think the Bills are th- the Bills statistically were like an offense like Kansas City last year, uh, and Kansas City did a terrific job with them. And we know what what uh, Tampa's proven proven capable of on this postseason run defensively. So these defenses are good. These games tense up. I don't see it going over 56 and a half. If you made me bet it, I, I would definitely bet the under here.
0: And, you know, I, we kind of made a point of this too last week when talking about it. This is such a bad matchup for Stephon Diggs when, you know, we were expecting that. So no one actually really shadowed Diggs. He saw actually coverage from about six different players last week and held him to 11 catches for 77 yards, which isn't terrible, but for the guy that got, you know, 11 targets in this game, that was kind of the focal point of this offense. Most of the production ended up going through Cole Beasley who caught 10 of seven, uh, excuse me, seven of 10 for 88 yards. Like Beasley was the guy. So if I kind of put that with the Buccaneers, does that mean that, you know, Mike Evans is the one who's kind of shut down and then it goes to some of the other guys. And that's where it kind of feels like, you know they'll find some success with Antonio Brown back with Chris Godwin. Those could be the big guys in this one if they kind of go with the same approach as Stefan Diggs. This is such a good game to watch. This is going to be such a, a offensive field game I feel like. It's gonna are be they a- going to be able to score? That's that's where I'm getting hung up.
2: It's going to be a great Super Bowl and there's a reason, you know, is is Kansas City going to consider Mike Evans or Chris Godwin the the number one receiver? Um Yeah. Mike Evans yardage is set at 63 and a half. I know we're going to do all the props next week, whatever. Yeah. Mike Evans is set at 63 and a half. Godwin's at 77 and a half. And we don't have Antonio Brown yet. These things will this is why we're doing props next week. It's going to, if you go to the props right now, it's overwhelming because there's a million, but there's going to be 2 yeah. million when we do this next week. So right. uh, I think it's a Godwin game. Um, 77 and a half was a little bit higher than I was
0: expecting though. Okay. So we took this episode to kind of talk it out, Julian and I. We're going to take the week to digest these lines. Me when we too. come back next week, when we come back for this segment next week, we're going to give you our picks. But this is what's good about the Super Bowl. You can kind of take it in. You can think about it. There's going to be a lot of time before you put your hard-earned money on this, you know? DraftKings Sportsbook's not going to stop you from do, playing what you want to play, unlike, you know, some stock trading things like Robinhood. We're going to let you do what you want to do. And we're going to help you guide you next week when we do our huge Super Bowl episode. Or We're going to continue this one here. I'm going to take a well-deserved nap. Julian is going to talk with spread, these spread investors, but not just a spread investor, the spread investor. Julian's going to talk some college, some college basketball hoops, some NBA. Let's get to that.
2: All right, guys, we're going to transition to the hardwood now. Steve Buchanan took off. He doesn't talk basketball, so he's taking a nap, and we're bringing in a special guest. James Alberino of Spread Investor. You can find him on Twitter at Spread Investor. If you are betting basketball and football, you're probably already following Spread Investor. But if you are not, you should go ahead and do that. Uh, one of my buddies, James, very happy to have you on, man.
1: Julian, good to be on. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. Um,
2: so let's jump right in both to the college and NBA side. We have Michigan State playing at... Rutgers uh but this will not be as tough of a road test as as you'll kind of touch on for some certain certain reasons here this one's actually been been growing Rutgers is becoming a larger home favorite I'm seeing minus three right now uh so you you look at Rutgers both of these teams have a lot of L's in their recent game logs um Rutgers is coming off a, a win over Indiana as a five-point dog, which maybe has them a little overvalued in this spot. Before that, one, two, three, four, five-game losing streak, lost yeah. six of their last seven overall, the only win in there over Purdue. Um, and you go to Michigan State, you know, they they did just lose to Purdue by one themselves, but they beat Rutgers and Nebraska before that. The win at home against Rutgers by, what is that, 23? So I, 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 let us know where you're, where you're going here in, uh, in the rematch.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm playing this one, but Rutgers at home, definitely without fans at the rack, that's a big deal for Rutgers. It gets loud there in a small space. So that's one of those teams that's been affected by having no fans in the arena, similar to a Duke with Cameron Indoor. even though obviously Cameron Indoor is a lot bigger. It's just the effect of having fans. Um, Michigan State, like you said, they won by 23 in the first game. Michigan State isn't very good this year, but in this spot, I think Rutgers is overvalued. Rutgers has been overvalued. They've only covered two of the last six games. They lost five of the last six straight up. When they beat Indiana last game, Indiana wasn't in the best spot. Indiana was coming off a, a big upset win the game prior. Yeah. So it was it was a letdown spot after after the game versus Iowa. Um Rutgers there's one thing with them offensively they can just go ice cold they don't have many shooters uh during that five game losing streak they shot only 40 percent from the field so if they're weighing points it's not really it's not really the lean that you want to have um I, I would look at Michigan State but I would more just keep an eye on Rutgers going forward to see if they're a little expensive when they're laying points and, and look to maybe fade them. If, uh, if they're laying a little bit too many.
2: Yeah. Rutgers obviously was one of the, one of the hotter bets earlier in the season and the market caught up to them and now they're kind of going the other way. So they're, they're overpriced most of the time. So it's been two completely different stories uh, with, with Rutgers this season. Let's uh... no, I was just gonna say
1: Gabe Brown's out for Michigan state. Um, pretty big rotation piece so it's not a great great spot for Michigan State in their first game off the COVID pause in two weeks but um it's yeah it's it's more of a look ahead for for Rutgers going forward
2: yeah and then I mean that that works that's equally as valuable to to give people that type of information um let's stick with college basketball and before we move to Thursday NBA stuff uh before we start talking kind of look aheads there's a big game on Friday between uh, Illinois and Iowa. We have a ton of huge matchups on, on Saturday, especially with that big 12 SEC showdown type of thing going on. Uh, do you have anything else that we want to touch on, whether it's a, a, a Thursday lean or just a team playing on Thursday that, that you have an eye on towards the future or anything? Earth, like
1: that? Thursday in college, that was really it. Um, I think those two games were, were the two on my eyeing the most. There's a lot of really good matchups Saturday and, even Friday, like you said, aside from the Iowa-Illinois matchup, this is a loaded Friday card. It's a good A 10 matchup, too, with Richmond. This is, this is uh, probably one of the more fun cards on Friday.
2: Then let's do Friday. Let's get right into it. So, obviously, the big one is is going to be Iowa playing at Illinois. Uh, and like you said, St. Louis and Richmond, it would be shocking if, if one of those teams doesn't come out of the A 10 uh, in the A 10 tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xavier and Butler play. You got Colorado State and Boise State. Um, there are some good games on this card. Still scrolling through it. Where where does your eye go in in this one in terms of, of
1: Richmond St. Louis game is interesting because St. Louis they were coming off a long pause. St. Louis before they played the other night they hadn't played since December twenty third. Uh, long layoff. They struggled versus Dayton. Um, Richmond. They had a pause, too. They just blew out St. Joe's. Nothing impressive there. St. Joe's has just been really bad. But um, Richmond kind of got into rhythm in that game because St. Joe's defense is so bad it allowed Richmond to do what they normally do. So they got into a flow, whereas St. Louis might need a little bit of time. Um, But, yeah, I I would look at Richmond at home in this spot. Um, But, yeah, these are – it, these are the two at the top of the a 10. So this is probably, this could be a preview of the a 10 championship, which is probably going to be as competitive as it's been in a really long time.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, for St. Louis, this is, I, I, it's a really interesting spot and you, I mean, you, you touched on the reasons why, but like, you don't play since before Christmas and then you come back and lose to Dayton as a nine point favorite. But, uh, you haven't played in over a month, so I, you 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 kind of have a built-in excuse there. And even though you're a big favorite over Dayton, Dayton's a, a good enough team. It's not like you lost to, like, Fordham or Duquesne or something. Um, like my Rhode Island Rams recently did blowing a 17-point lead. Uh, that was fun. So they're a team that, that kind of has to be on, on the come-up here. But like you said, uh, Richmond just kind of got a, a layup to get itself – back on track with, with that St. Joe's game coming off a a gross loss. What were they like? They were 28 points away off the spread on that LaSalle loss. They lost by four. Yeah, that,
1: that, that was their first game back off the pause. That was really bad. Right. And then I came back and I played Richmond in the first half actually on St. Joe's. I figured they would come out with a little bit of fire after, after the loss. Um, Richmond's a good first half team. So if there's a play in this game, I would probably look maybe Richmond in the first half. Um, yeah, that, that would be my lean there if I'm on this. All right.
2: I like that. Um, anything else on Friday? Do you have any, even if it's not a spot that you're playing the, the bigger game with Iowa and, and Illinois, do you have any thoughts Xavier,
1: on that one? Xavier Butler, they, they've got a really close history. So points in that game will be valuable, especially Butler's not a juggernaut on offense. Xavier's coming off a two week pause. Uh, but Xavier, Xavier's a good team. Xavier's balanced team. Before they went into the pause, uh, they won two straight. Um, they beat Oklahoma, who's been really hot last couple of weeks. So Xavier's definitely a team to keep keep an eye on. And Xavier versus Butler last year was a one point game. The year before was a five point game. They played another five point game before that. A one point game before that. An overtime game before that. So this is a history of. The underdog in, in this series, you got to consider them because you're not getting much separation between these two teams and these two coaches. Yep. So
2: that's – I don't really – I'm probably – I'm interested to watch the the Illinois-Iowa game. I, I don't necessarily have a, have a play on it. Um, both teams have – I would say Illinois had more letdowns than, than Iowa this year, but yeah. both teams have yeah. certainly had those, those letdowns. Um, obviously that was a gross one at home for Iowa against uh, Indiana going, whatever it was, I think 11 minutes in the second half from the 12 minute mark to the one minute mark without a field goal uh, for that team is, is absolutely ridiculous, but tip your yeah. hat to the, to the Indiana defense there as well. You got to give them credit. Um, Saturday is the Saturday is the big card. Uh a lot of, of crazy spots. Um, I'm really intrigued. Not that I necessarily have any plays yet. I'm really intrigued by these Big 12 SEC matchups. Um, Auburn is a team. I know that you have been given a lot of love lately. I have mm-hmm. as, as well. Uh, I'm, I am actually haven't bet them two games in a row, and I'm, I'm mad at myself for, for not doing that because they've been absolutely terrific. They are the SEC team that gets thrown to the wolves here because they are at Baylor. Which is uh, as tough as it gets. Um, are, are we going to be able to trust Auburn on, on the road here? It's going to be a playing,
1: lot of uh, I, I was disappointed when I saw Auburn playing Baylor from like Tuesday, Wednesday. I saw, I'm saw like, ah, this is not the spot to take it because Auburn can overwhelm you offensively, but you don't want to bet on that against Baylor, who can shut down every single team. Like when Baylor Gonzaga was canceled in December. I remember being disappointed for hours that day. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm just going to go. I'm going to get myself a nice meal. And because was, that was the game that everybody was looking forward to because I think Baylor is one of the only teams that can slow Gonzaga down defensively. They're, they're, they have so much size, one through five. They're athletic. They're experienced. Um, Auburn, with Sharif Cooper, we've had this conversation offline a bunch of times. Sharif Cooper is one of the best point guards in the nation. He was ineligible up until I think it was January 10th. Since then, Auburn's caught fire. They're catching way more points as underdogs than they should be. Um, I should have bet them against Missouri, man. Missouri, Missouri's de- that's another thing. Missouri's defense is good. So I've been playing. I've been playing Auburn more when they're playing against teams who either aren't that good defensively or just don't have the offense to keep up like Auburn versus Kentucky last week was a layup um, Auburn versus uh, who they play? Oh, Georgia. That was, that, that was another layup too. Uh, but I'm going to pass on Auburn, but definitely look to take Auburn. Who, the, who does Auburn have after this Baylor game? Cause I'm anticipating a loss and then we could get Auburn in a bounce back spot after this. Uh, right. Auburn plays Georgia again. It's it. Auburn's got a good stretch coming up after this. This might be a really nice run after this. They got Georgia at home next Tuesday. Then they play Ole Miss. Ole Miss has been a huge disappointment. I followed Ole Miss pretty closely. Ole Miss has three really good players. And then after that, they have a really big drop-off in scoring. So I think Auburn is going to overwhelm them. And then they've got Vanderbilt the Tuesday after that. Kentucky again. Ooh, this might be – damn well, if you didn't get in on GameStop – <laughs> so nah, we can nah, Auburn's not gonna Auburn's not gonna multiply like game stuff but I think Auburn can be a good bet. Legi- and then I got Mississippi. Auburn can legitimately bet after this Baylor game, four if not five of the next five games. I'm with you. Let's, go, hope I mean, get, let's hope they get clobbered by Baylor so we get value on this line. So that's We're what no I was fans thinking. on Saturday.
2: I've uh, obviously Auburn. The last like five or six games has been terrific. This could be their hiccup and then you get another five-game stretch or so like that. I was just going to say, uh, so I'm looking on on Haslametrics right now. They've got Baylor 87, Auburn 65. That's the type of score that maybe we're rooting for here um, so that we get the price that we want on Auburn moving forward after after this game. I think that Auburn's good enough to, you know, Keep it less than twenty, but uh, um, I probably will be rooting for that not to happen.
1: Well, if if that's the projected score, what's the line on this game going to be? If you give me enough points, I'll at least flirt with the right betting them. But if it's like a, if it's like nine, I don't know. I don't know. What, I've got to think about that. What number it would have to be against Baylor for me to consider it? Let's see what this number opens up at. I'm definitely keeping an eye on it, but I don't, I'm not ready to. I'm not ready for the bet.
2: Yeah, I. I have no clue what the number is gonna gonna be. I was very surprised when I saw the twenty-two point gap there. Obviously, the spread's gonna be nowhere near that. Um, all right. So other spots that jump off Alabama. Um, I've been riding Alabama. They're unbelievable. Uh, they um, they looked like they were about to lose to Kentucky the other night, and then they win by double digits and cover that one. Uh, they did have the hiccup over the weekend. Still another win, but but couldn't quite cover. They've been machine-like. Uh, I passed, actually, on the on the road LSU spot. A lot of LSU was kind of the trendy pick there and what was pretty much a pick them We were kind of moving around between one-point favorites. Now they play at Oklahoma, who we just talked about. Oklahoma's playing really well. They just beat Kansas uh, moving into a role as slight, like, one-point underdogs. That's going to be a very interesting game. I'm curious to see where it opens. I really, really want to take Alabama – the road here but it's two hot teams
1: it's funny after we spoke about the books being way off on alabama they they backed up the price the very next game um like alabama when they played kentucky two weeks ago alabama was three and a half point dogs at kentucky then they opened up they were landing, i think eight and a half or nine until it came down, and it settled at like seven before close. But Alabama's getting expensive. Oklahoma might get really expensive in this spot, though, after the the Texas win, though. So this is a game I'm really curious to see where this opens at because, yeah, I'm not looking for any reason to bet against Alabama. They just overwhelm you with how much they score, their pace of play. They're a team that shoots 32 33% from three, but it's so deceptive because – they're designed to shoot those in volume. So they take so many threes that even hitting at a 33% clip, they're overwhelming a lot of teams. Um, I would lean Alabama. I would love to see Oklahoma be priced a little bit too expensive off of the, after the Texas win. Um, how much was that Texas win related to Shaka Smart Knock head coaching for Texas mm-hmm. that game? Probably a little bit, but Oklahoma's a couple of players. Yeah, and, and, and that Oklahoma win versus Kansas, Kansas isn't as good as they've been. Kansas doesn't have the offense that they've had over the, most of the last five to 10 years. Um, so I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on Alabama. Let's, let's see where this line opens up. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm curious about that one. Uh, and then just because this game relates so directly, like a lot of these do, Texas and Kentucky, tennessee and kansas tennessee and kansas are two i think two very overrated teams i i don't know tennessee was this hot team and then um you see that florida game and then they follow it up with a loss like i I don't necessarily get it with with tennessee um they don't have
1: any go-to that's that's a problem with tennessee they're very they're very much built on defense yep and their defense is great but they don't have many go-to scorers when springer was out they struggled um that kind of catches up with you too and that's the thing with with hoops is if your offense is starting to get figured out by teams in your conference it could start translating you could have a little bit of a drop off not that they've had much of a drop off on defense but if your rhythm and your energy and your confidence isn't there on the offensive side you're playing two ways um so that, that that can affect the other side of the court so Tennessee is a team keep an eye on to maybe fade in some spots. Um, Tennessee, Kansas is probably a lean to the under Not that I'm, I'm really looking. Yeah. It's just two, two teams that, again, we just said Kansas doesn't have a great offense. So uh, I would lean towards the low side in that game. That's what I
2: was going to say. This is an, under, I think this could be an under game Tennessee that I've, I feel like I've only watched their worst games. Every time I turn on a Tennessee game, they stink. Um, so maybe I'm a little biased, but like, they're an underteam. Kansas, as you mentioned, is an underteam. I, I don't have the numbers for this year in front of me, but generally on the road, Kansas is an underteam. They went 10 and 0 to the under last year. I know on the road, which is crazy. Uh, and this game's at Tennessee. So that's a spot that I'm looking. Uh, really quick thoughts on one more college game before we do about five minutes NBA um, Texas at Kentucky, just because those two teams tie into all the teams we've been talking about Saturday, pretty much so far. Texas is off that bad loss to Oklahoma. They're at Kentucky here. Kentucky, even when they're in games, besides the LSU game, it seems like they crumble late, whether they're, they're home or away. I tend to think this should be a bounce-back spot for Texas, who I think is legit and a, and a good team. And Kentucky just can't get it together
1: this year. Yeah, Kentucky, again, another team that offensive identity is lacking. And that's why they crumble late in games is – When those those possessions matter more with five minutes or less, who are they going to? B.J. Boston is starting to get into a rhythm right now, but they don't have many shooters. Texas defensively can keep them down, and it's a bounce-back spot for Texas. Do we know if Shaka Smart's coaching on Saturday? I do not know that yet. I I assume it's it's still up in the air. That's that's big, but um, this is a good spot for Texas. Um. I don't see anything right now. I think it's still
2: generally in college, just this year. If you want to find something out, you don't find it out until the game starts.
1: Almost. Yeah. Well, this is something to monitor. I I would assume he he's probably not going to be back because that Texas game was just two nights ago. This game Saturday. Um, I think he, I think he tested positive pretty much not long before that Oklahoma game. So you got to anticipate him being out, um, which makes this spot a little tricky, but definitely can't take Kentucky, even though that.
2: Yeah. Um, all right. Let's transition to the NBA real quick. Obviously, Thursday night, not the best card, four games. Um, some teams playing on back to backs, some teams playing with serious COVID issues. Like you look at the Clippers playing without Kawhi and Paul George, you look at the Heat playing without their guys, like some of these games are how to where do you even start? This
1: is the, this is the JV team, they, they've got to start bringing G League teams to some of these. Like three of the four games tonight are just rampant COVID issues,
2: yeah. It's and
1: then you're getting and then you get in the Lakers right after they went and well, rock fight versus the Sixers last night playing the Pistons. So that's going to be probably not their best performance,
2: right? I'm the way that I've been playing this, this season is, is waiting for the injury news. You know, I'm, I'm more of a player prop guy. Um, and that wasn't something, as you know, it did not work well for me in the bubble. It did not work well for me in the bubble playoffs. And I had to really slow down on that. Um, and it's come back this season COVID almost helps it sometimes when, when guys are ruled out, you can pounce on something that was just completely unexpected. Um, so player props for me on on the Thursday card are not quite there yet. Everything's been kind of adjusted because we know that some clippers are out. We know some heat are out, but as the day goes on, you know, stay tuned. I'll, I'll probably have something on the player prop side, but for the late game, um, golden state Phoenix, both teams actually played last night. The sun's upset by the thunder Al Horford coming back from that absence, uh, from the birth of his child, and Golden State, Andrew Wiggins' revenge game, getting the win over the Wolves. Uh, those two teams meet up tonight. What do you got for us there?
1: It's hard to trust the Suns right now. I think the Suns are a team, well, I think you were playing them a lot with me, end of December, early January when the season started. They were on fire. They got a great defense. They, they can score one through five. Uh, booker's out. He's actually questionable tonight, so is Sarich. I don't know. We got to monitor those injuries. Um, but it's hard to trust the Suns right now because they're just struggling the last couple games. Losing to the Thunder last night, it's a bad loss, even without Booker, because CP3, Aiton Bridges, that that should be enough for them to to win this game. Um, Warriors beat the Wolves with a bunch of injuries. Nothing really impressive there, but that's just something to keep forward. Looking forward is monitor the Suns. Let's see how long this slump continues. And then I think the Suns are the type of team, when they have one breakout game, put, put the light bulb on, and that's the signal to start riding this team again because I think they will start catching fire. They're at 500 right now, and they were a team that started out, they, they, I think it was six and three. So when they have that one or two game win streak, let's, let's look to ride this team the next couple of weeks.
2: All right, so we're going to start to wrap. Um, obviously, player prop side, if anything comes up, I'll, I'll get to that on Twitter. Uh, James, thank you for joining us. James Alberino. you can follow him on Twitter at Spread Investor. And next week on Unreasonable Odds, we will be just a few days away from the Super Bowl. So I know we touched football the first half of the show. Uh, we'll be back covering everything heavy on the player props, heavy on the crazy type of props that you know DKK Sportsbook is going to be offering on the Super Bowl. And as we have the last couple of weeks, we hit last week on that Travis Kelsey, 100 yards and a touchdown prop boost in the AFC Championship game. We will have an unreasonable odds boost for you guys once again on the DK Sportsbook for the Super Bowl coming together. So we're really excited about that. Thank you, James, for joining us. Thank you guys for tuning in.